Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. Um, this segment is brought to you by BOMI.org. Are you familiar with them? It's B-O-M-I. They are the industry standard for training and education in the facilities and property management industry. Check them out at BOMI.org. Well, today we're talking about construction, design, architecture. I think that everyone is concerned with rising uh, construction costs. And what is that doing to the economy? What is that doing to tenants for commercial real estate? What's it doing to new supply and build out and, and uh, replacement costs? Uh, and, and what's going to happen moving forward? I mean, we have a government shutdown that's happened. We have tariffs, uh, you know, we have start, stock market turmoil, and we have immigration issues. It's done a lot of moving uh, parts here, so let's get an idea of what's going on and how it might impact us. Please welcome my first guest. That's Kermit Baker, and Kermit is Chief Economist with the American Institute of Architects. He's joining us on the phone. Kermit, thanks for being with us, sir. Michael, pleasure to be with you today. Well, thank you. And one of the uh, reports you guys do that I think is very telling uh, is your billings report, right? Uh, how, how much work are architects getting? What are you seeing for trends there? Yeah, and, and for purpose of your listeners, Michael, let me just uh, explain that a little bit, what that, sure. what that indicator is. Every month we go out to a, uh, a panel of architecture firms and ask them about you know, activity at their firms, what their billings were, what their, what their design buildings were. And we compile that up into to, to an index. Um, and we've done a fair amount of analysis, and what we've discovered is that design activity is a leading indicator of construction activity, no surprise there. Um, but it does consistently lead uh, construction activity by 9 to 12 months. So a really good look at sort of what, uh, you know, what the coming year uh, is likely to look like for construction activity. Um, the, uh, the Billings Index has been really uh, very healthy for uh, uh, you know, all the way through the end of uh, 2018, we've, we've seen growth that um, uh, you know, would suggest somewhere in the three to four percent increase in, in, in construction activity for 2019. So, architecture firms are still uh, feeling very, uh, uh, very good about things. Uh, we also track new projectivity coming into architecture firms. So this is where their billings are going to be generated in, in the coming months. And that remains healthy, too. So, uh, you know, all the uncertainties that are out there, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about those, Michael, but uh, right now, uh, architecture firms are feeling very good about things. Well, that's great. I mean, that makes sense that it's a very much a lead indicator. If people aren't designing buildings and they're not building them, we're not filling them up, you know, we're, yeah, we're not selling them, we're not financing them, uh, and as the, as the business world turns. And uh, so it is interesting. Um, I used to get gas in my uh, performance boat at this one uh, gas station, and I remember the, uh, the attendant, he would ask me, are you filling up? Are you filling up? And I'm like, so one day I came there, I said, why do you always ask me if I'm going to fill up? He said, Michael Bull, he said, you're in, commercial, you're in real estate. When you come in here and get half a tank of gas, I'm selling everything. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So that was his indicator. But this is a much better indicator. And another thing that you guys do is a semi-annual report on a construction forecast, right? And uh, did you just finish that? Yeah, twice a year, Michael, we go out to the leading forecasters nationally and ask them what their outlook is for, uh, you know, again, for non-residential building activity. Um, and we just released those reports 
uh, the most recent report this morning, looking at uh, 2019, and this is our first look at 2020. And, and, and forecasters, I would say, are reasonably optimistic. They're calling for just under 4.5% growth in uh, commercial construction spending, um, non-residential building spending for 2019, and uh, about half that growth, about two and a half percent for 2020. So they're not they're not calling for a, a downturn, even in 2020. They're seeing a little more strength on the uh, institutional side. That would be schools, healthcare, things like that. Uh, the commercial side, the private side, um, you know, a little bit a little bit slower, kind of three and a half percent growth this year, and 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 almost no growth next year i think about a half percent overall so it looks like uh, the commercial side of the market is slowing down uh, a bit earlier than the institutional side but but as i say um uh growth uh, be, be it modest as it is 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 what they're seeing uh you know really over the next 24 months well that's good news and it's non-residential so it doesn't include homes am i correct but it does include multifamily residential we do we do track multifamily uh, residential not in our consensus forecast but in our, uh, in our in our billings index and architects are still surprisingly uh, upbeat about the multifamily market. Uh, I mean we're hearing a lot of reports about people looking you know, moving back to home ownership and things like that, but there still seems to be uh, good solid pent up demand on the multifamily side. So that um, that, that that segment uh, that sector continues to move ahead. Well, that's good news. Maybe I'll fill up my tank this weekend. Uh, what about call the gas station attendant? You're still optimistic. That's right? it. The, the Michael Bull index. The Michael Bull index. It's going to be all good. Well, what about cost, Kermit? I'm I'm hearing some uh, developers uh, that we're working with that are suggesting that they're putting seven to nine percent increases in their overall construction costs from the time they're they start planning to, to finish a project. Uh, and then we've heard some pretty hot numbers of kind of annual increases in the last few years. Um, what, do you, what do you guys see? Yeah, you know, uh, we, we talked through the good news, Michael, about, you know, a lot of design activity and, and upbeat, uh, um, you know, outlook for stuff. But there clearly is a lot of nervousness, too. And I would say, you know, building materials costs are are you know near the top of the list there you know number one we've seen a fair amount of um inflation there i, I there again was a, just another report issued yesterday from the uh, labor department one of the few government agencies that's still operational and and they're reporting about four percent overall growth in um you know non-residential construction uh costs but you know, I, I think the takeaway for, for contractors and developers and, and even architects is there's just a lot of volatility out there, a lot of nervousness. I mean, that number has been swinging around. It was, you know, uh, I said 4% on a year-over-year basis. It was 10% a year-over-year as of a few months ago. So we've seen some some quieting down. But, you know, if you look at steel, uh, which is one of the targets of the, uh, you know, of the tariff wars, you know, steel prices are up in excess of 20 percent uh you know lumber which which had been very volatile and very strong is now down on a year-over-year basis five percent uh you know aluminum is up we're seeing a lot of volatility in the in in you know in energy costs and fuel prices and things like that so i think it's it's number one how much inflation we're seeing out there but number two all this volatility and you know if i if i'm a contractor and i bid on a project now and i have to buy those products in three to six months what am i going to be paying them 
for, for them. I think there's just a lot of nervousness about where things are headed. And, and, you know, the nervousness is based on the volatility we've seen over the last 12 to 18 months. So it certainly is, is very real, I think, and, and, and it certainly you know, does give pause to, you know, how do you proceed in this environment to, to make sensible decisions. Yeah, and I want to ask you some more about some of the recent economic news. But before we go there, you mentioned the 4% overall uh, cost increase for construction. If you look at historic times, look at the, the, the business historically, it's 4% uh, fairly normal, or is that still on the high side? No, it's very much on the high side. I mean, I think, uh, you know, uh, you know, some of this is so this cost is a combination of labor and materials, and I think labor generally is 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 going up about a one and a half two percent. It's now up three percent, and I think the census is going higher. We can talk about labor in just a minute too, um, but but other products too. I you know I think that we see uh, we we would see inflation a, a third to a half that pace normally. So uh, that that is. Uh, uh, you know, four percent overall. We're seeing in our economy CPI increases under two percent. We've been in a period of almost no inflation for you know, really ever since the the past recession. So, you know, clearly uh, cost hikes, inflation um, is is now back in our vocabulary, and I think it it, it is um, you know making folks rethink some of their decisions. Yeah. We're talking with Kermit Baker, and he's chief economist for the American Institute of Architects. And Kermit, has your view of maybe expected GDP for next year or uh, expected uh, results in the economy, has it adjusted any with kind of some of the recent turmoil in the stock market and, and as we record today, still an ongoing uh, government shutdown or partial shutdown? Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, no, great, great questions, Michael. I think that you know, and, and unfortunately, the story isn't ended yet. Uh, you know, we did see a uh, you know huge declines in uh, stock prices in December, enough enough so that there was you know a lot a lot of talk about recession uh, as a result of that, and the uh, the government shut down, the partial government shut down, but even the even even the White House has estimated that that. Um, that does impact GDP about uh, you know probably a, a half percent per per, per month, and, and we're a month into this and, and, and going strong. So uh, you know GDP that was expected to be in the two and a half two to two and a half percent for 2019. I think forecasters are you know shaving their forecast by the day uh, in, in terms of what that might look like. Uh, give, given all the uh, the issues we've talked about, and we haven't even really, you know, government shutdown being one of them, but you know, the tariffs and the potential for a trade war, I think another big unknown, another big uncertainty here that's causing uh, uh, folks to, to downgrade some of their forecasts too. So I think there's, you know, there's just a lot more concern over there. There's always, you know, when we forecast something, there's always a sort of our estimate, and then gee, if things really go right, what could it be? And if things really go wrong, what could it be? And there, there's not too many of the, you know, what could go, what could go right here? What, what could be better than expected? You know, what they call upside risk to the forecast. A much longer a set of downside risks, I think, in the, in the environment we're in now in terms of, uh, you know, things that might peel off some of the growth that we might otherwise expect. Yeah. And when we talk about rising construction costs, Kermit, you know, no one really wants to see rising costs for anything. But, uh, uh, you know, some of it seemingly could have some benefits, if you will. I mean, if 
if replacement costs are going up to, to build a new building, uh, maybe it curtails uh, where we don't overbuild. Uh, what are you seeing for some of the, the ideas to think about that could be really good news with this construction rising cost or, uh, or severe bad news? Uh, you know, like some of these office build outs we're involved in are, are getting close to, you know, to $100 a square foot to, to build out office space. And you know, that obviously has a ripple effect. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I, you know, you can look at it always as as one of the one of the implications, um, and, and I think it, it is really mostly mostly negative. Just adding costs and, and you know, a project that might have penciled out at, you know, you know, as you say, kind of eighty ninety dollars a foot gets up to a hundred dollars a foot, and they say, you know, that's no longer viable. So that project uh, basically disappears, or or it gets massively redesigned. I I, I think one bright spot. Uh, potential bright spot, Michael, is that it's going to slow down activity enough that maybe our labor shortage won't be as acute as it otherwise would have been. I mean, I think we were getting to the point where some projects just couldn't go forward in any meaningful uh, on any meaningful schedule because they didn't have labor to do it. I mean, I've, architects have been telling us for really the last couple of years that um, they need to they need to be very careful in terms of how they cost out a project because of labor costs. They need to be very careful about how they factor in uh, a project schedule. I mean, they're telling us they're getting bids that, you know, for a typical project that might have had a 12-month uh, construction period, they're getting bid, you know, they're getting uh, proposals back that are 15, 18 months. And I think wow. contractors are you know, basically saying, I don't know when I get my subs in, so I've got to add some other time to, you know, extra time on the schedule because of that. So, uh, you know, a bit of a slower growth should uh, should get the labor uh, side things more in line with uh, with demand, but I think overall it's, uh, it's, it's a cause concern. Right. And Kermit, what are you seeing from different parties involved in the industry? What are they doing to mitigate some of these rising costs uh, and protect themselves? Any tips there? You know, I, I don't think there's any real cure-all. I mean, some of them are, are, are building in contingencies. Some of them are, you know, trying to get uh, uh, forward quotes on uh, on, on materials. Uh, you already talked about, you know, increasing the, uh, uh, you know, the estimated con- construction uh, time for our project. I think they're just trying to hedge their bets whenever they can. It's just very difficult to, to plan and project in this environment. Things can change so quickly that... Uh, um, you know, the only thing you can do is, 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 you know, try to hedge it, try to build in contingencies. I think just be aware that uh, um, you're likely to run into volatility as, as this project proceeds and, 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 and try to plan that into the process as much as you can. Yeah, and I guess the, the shortage of construction folks is really um, raising salaries uh, for, for these folks. Uh, what do you see there? And, and I guess, is it, where does it stand for architects? Do we have enough architects, or, or is there a lot of demand there as well? Yeah, well, that's, uh, we're starting to really hit a labor shortage on the architectural side. The, the, the supply pipeline for architects is a, is a bit different than for the, uh, you know, the contractor side. You know, architecture schools graduate about um, uh, 6,500 architects a year, and so that's kind of a fixed supply. And, you know, we did have a, a pretty significant excess capacity coming out of the last recession, but uh, most most uh, uh, most folks are, you know, that they have, uh, you know, we've worked through that. Uh, we, we just surveyed architects recently within the 
past week or so about what what's the biggest problem they're uh, addressing for 2019, and, and and staffing was far and away at the top of the list. You know, just can't find the you know qualified applicants for open positions now. So yeah. this is really starting to heat up on the uh, on the architect side. You know, um, kind of a year or so behind what has been on the construction side. Construction labor has been a, as you know, Michael, a big issue for really two or three years now, and uh, mm-hmm. um, it's starting to catch up in other areas too. Well, Kermit, what would you leave our audience with related to architecture, uh, construction, uh, economy moving forward? You know, I, I, I tell everyone, Michael, that, that conditions are good. Our economy is, is basically healthy. The construction sector is basically healthy. But, you know, a lot of nervousness out there. I think we're getting a lot of fl- uh, red flags. I think now is really the time to you know, watch those indicators closely. Uh, you know, see if Michael Bull's getting a full tank of gas or just a half tank of gas and yeah. other, other, other things like that, because I think, uh, you know, the market has a history of turning very quickly. And I think people doing business in this sector of the economy need to be prepared for that, need to, need to watch those tea leaves very, very closely. Yeah, good point. Keep your eyes open and your ears open and listen to our show, right? Thank you, Kermit. Appreciate you being on the show. Michael, good talking to you. All right, thank you. And uh, stay with us. We're going to have more on construction, design, architecture. We'll have more right after this quick break. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial agent success strategies. Incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Bomi International. For facilities and property management education, visit bomi.org. Buyproxy.com. Your global commercial real estate listing service. Visit buyproxy.com. Red IQ. Turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit rediq.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. The excitement is brought to you by BuyProxy.com. That's B-I-P-R-O-X-I. It's a new website for listing properties, so buyers and tenants can go look, and people can put their properties on there. There's no charge. Then for a charge, there's some marketing. Check it out, BuyProxy.com. Today we're talking about one of the things that really matter to people in the commercial real estate world, construction cost and the cost of labor and skilled workers. It's really impacting uh, the supply and demand in our market. It's impacting the timing on construction projects. It's impacting build out. Well, please welcome my next guest. It's Don Wyatt, and he's CEO, and Boyd Warsham, he's president, and they're with the National Center for Construction Education and Research Center. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. We're, we're happy to be with you. Thank and you, if, Michael. And if you're listening to this and you're not driving down the road, you want to check out their website while we're talking. It's N, as in Nancy, N-C-C-E-R dot org. Uh, gentlemen, if you will, kind of briefly, tell us about your organization. What do you guys do? Well, NCCR is a not-for-profit 501c3 educational foundation created to develop standardized craft curriculum assessments, credentials, and certifications for the construction industry. Uh, we, we accredit organizations to offer our programs through a process <clears throat> that allows us to verify they have the necessary resources to train and assess 
individuals based on a set of standards accepted by our industry. Uh, this includes a train-to-trainer program whereby organizations can send a representative to learn how to implement NCCER's programs and utilize our instructor certification process. This system of standardization allows individuals in the construction industry to build transcripts uh, like those in higher education or they would get from their universities and receive portable industry-recognized credentials and certifications, which is really, really important today. And this is all tracked through our registry database that also provides easy ways for employers to verify those credentials. Uh, to maintain the integrity and quality of our programs, NCCR oversees our accredited organizations and ensures that they are offering our programs to the standards required. Through our program, we provide curricula in over 70 different craft areas and a complete series of assessments offered in over 5,000 NCCR accredited training and assessment locations across the U.S. And our programs are also offered in multiple countries throughout the world. Uh, we also have initiatives for recruitment uh, and industry image enhancement that includes providing veterans with NCCR credentials for the training they received while they were in the military. So how long has this organization uh, been around? Uh, we, we became official in, in 1996, so a little over 20 years. Okay. And how many, uh, so you have uh, members, right? How many members do you have? Well, we don't really have members. Okay. We have the organizations who come to us for uh, the workforce development resources, those who apply, become accredited, and then start providing the training to their workforce, and then we provide them the credentials. I see. So, I mean, there's been, it seems like there's been a real need for more con skilled construction workers. So, have you guys seen this really ramp up over recent years? Are you guys just super busy these days? Well, we, we've always been busy over our 20 years, but yes, today you know, we're seeing right now there's a shortage of 500,000 workers uh, who could be employed today, and if you look down the road just a short distance, by 2020, uh, we're looking at the need for somewhere in the neighborhood of a million to two million workers. Wow, you know, and it seems like, you know, when you talk to young people today, it seems like a lot of them are being told that, oh, you got to go to college and you got to get this degree. And I don't know if they really realize the high income that a lot of these pe people in construction really make a lot of money. I don't, do you think that's part of the challenge why we don't have enough people getting into construction? Well, that, that is part of the equation. Everybody's been told for a lot of years that the only path to success is a four-year degree, and we, we know that that's not true. And, and, and we like to think today of it as a pathway um, where, you know, think about if you wanted to become an electrical engineer, what a better way to start than becoming an electrician and working in that occupation and then progressing through that career pathway to you end up with that degree in electrical engineering. And what kind of time frames uh, do some of these training programs range? Well, if you look at um, our, our apprenticeship programs or our work and learn models as they're referred to today, um, it can take anywhere from one to four years to get through the training. Now, from that, if you want to become you know, a, a really competent journeyman, there's probably another three to five years after training to get you there. And then to become a true seasoned professional, you probably have another three to five years on top of that. So somewhere between eight and 12 years to really get from entry level 
a seasoned professional. Yeah, and I guess it seems like when I think of construction, I think of you know mentors, and I think of the father teaching the son, and uh, you know, is, I guess is there still a lot of that? How how is the training kind of changing? Well, Michael, this is Boyd Worsham, and I, I come from a contractor background, thirty-eight years with a single contractor from the time I walked out of a, a carpentry program in a in a local high school in my area, and. Um, you know, and there are a lot of people that get into the industry because they had family in it, um, you know, or, or had some other relation, relative connection, something that got them into the industry. Um, and, and we see that, but those aren't big numbers. We have to find other other ways to, to pull young talent and attract young talent to the, to the skilled trades, to the skilled crafts. We actually call them craft professionals, and we think that's a great, great term for those, those um, trades craftsmen, if you will. But, um, but some come through the kind of the, the, the family lineage and, and all that, but a lot of them go through, you know, career and technical education programs um, or go to work for a contractor and then, you know, implement our training and, and, and stay in the profession and move through, through the, the career progression, if you will. Um, just backing up a second to something you said, you know, the money is, is very good in our industry. But what we find is that that's not all the, the, the younger generation thinks about. You know, I started in this business, like I said, a long time ago, 38 years ago. And I got to admit, money was a big, a huge driver. And it's been a driver in my career, as, as it has in most people of my generation. But I can tell you, recruiting young people in, and I have two, two young adult sons, um, and they're not as driven. Not, I don't think they're, that, that generation is, is as consistently driven by earning potential as as I was, you know. So I think we, you know, we have to appeal to them on the, they like projects, you know, they're used to working on projects. They're, they want to do things that are that are good for their towns, good for their, their you know, the communities in which they grow or live in or, or, or have grown up in. So, you know, we have to appeal to them in many ways uh, nowadays. They're they're a little wiser than we were, just just dollar focused, and, so, and we're um, developing tools and and products to 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 reach them through those other other um, drivers that they have in their their generation. So, Boyd, when your children get off your family jet, uh, Boyd, uh-huh. uh, you, you're telling me <laughs> they they don't care that much about making money. <laughs> well, they 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 don't. You know, it's funny, Michael. They don't. They don't see the need for it at the young age that I did. You know what I mean? And maybe, you know, maybe it's just that, I mean, they want to they want to do things. When I appeal to talk to my children about construction, they want to know what can they build? What difference can that make right. in society? Right. You know, they talk, um, you know, talk about, you know, building a hospital or building some kind of a facility that's for the betterment of of. Of, of people, you know, so it's just a different, there's different drivers now with the younger generation, I think. Yeah, I get it. My, my daughter's graduating from UGA right now with a degree in environmental economics. And somebody asked me, what's she going to do? And I said, well, I think she's going to save the world is what I understand. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and so, some of them will, thank goodness we have right. them. But, that's right. So we're trying to adjust our message um, a little broader and then just saying, you know, you, you know, you're, you're going to make a lot of money. I think they, to some degree, they, they think there's a lot of good jobs out there that pay a lot. We have to figure out what makes ours 
equal to or more appealing than just, just the making money piece. So. so what is the age of your students? Do you have students, uh, people taking your classes and training that are kind of all age groups? Do so some of them start even at older ages? Well, <clears throat> one of the things that's a little bit distressing is, is you would think that the, the bulk of our trainees are, you know, the, the 18, 17 year olds, but the reality is the average age of a trainee in our industry is 27 years old. And what that means is they've, they've gone to, on average, two to three other industries before they found ours. Yeah, that's interesting. And I was, I was on your uh, website there, nccer.org, and I saw one of your blogs had some salary ranges of some of these, these skilled construction workers. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. So, uh, you, know, yep. the, you know, it's a good profession for folks to get into. Boyd says, uh, you know, we have great wages in our industry, great careers in our industry. And, and the other thing that we have that <clears throat> most industries do not have is you can start as a carpenter and end up owning your own business. Right. And, and there's not a lot of industries that, that offer that. Yeah. Career progression is, is, is definitely a, a um, strong selling point of our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, the other thing I think that we that we need to recognize, Michael, is and a lot of your a lot of your listeners will relate to this. You know, people think of construction in a very isolated, individual way, but the construction industry is when you include the supplier and manufacturing network around it, it's the largest industry in the United States, I I do believe, if not very close to that. And and it's the business of construction that matters. We we build all those facilities and we have that huge business that goes behind that. So all those craft professionals, all those superintendents, project managers out there delivering these projects, I mean, you have to think about the complexity of that business that goes behind it, from doing the, the site search to, you know, designing the project to executing the work. And it's a very complex system to put together these facilities that, that your listeners, you know, buy and sell every day. So it's... Um, you know, the business of construction is, is really what, what we participate in. Yeah, and I think a lot of our listeners and viewers, too, uh, you know, have, uh, you, you obviously use a lot of construction companies, and, but they also have a lot of in-house people and uh, may need some education. So what would you leave our audience with, gentlemen, related to uh, nccer.org? Well, let me first, you know, talk just for a second about why they should care about workforce and developing workforce. You know, this year, 2019, the last of the baby boomer generation turns 55. And if you look statistically, that means in 10 years, uh, when they turn 65, they're out of the workforce. But the reality is um, most of our craft professionals are going to be leaving our industry within the next five years, well before that, that 65-year age, um, and right now that baby boomer generation represents 20 to 30 percent of our workforce. So we're about to lose an entire generation, and these are arguably our best, most experienced workers. So it's a real critical issue, and with all the needs we have in this country, with infrastructure rebuild and those kind of things, having those skilled workers to build our work is critically important, and if we don't address the issue, um, we're going to be in trouble. And that's what NCCR provides is those resources to help them recruit 
and develop their workforce. Well said, and that is what we need. And gentlemen, thank you for doing what you do, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Michael. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thank you, and uh, thank you for joining us around the country, around the world. Let us know what you think, comment, and please connect with us on Facebook and LinkedIn and, and Twitter. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by BullRealty.com, commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions. RedIQ.com, turning data into valuable action. ByProxy.com, a complimentary listing service. CommercialAgentSuccess.com, video training from Michael Bull. Bomi.org, property and facility management education. To access these recommended companies or for more podcasts and videos, visit CREshow.com.